Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather tonight to study your word. We trust you, merciful Father, that you will guide us through this program, that you will teach us by your spirit, and that you will help us to understand what you are teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we are still on uh, the topic we are still handling. It's uh, working out your salvation, making your new life fully manifesting. Working out your salvation and making your new life fully manifesting. Philippians 2.12. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I have taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy hour of God. We must continue to make this life fully manifested as we live in the holy hour of God, which brings you trembling into his presence, which means with respect and honor to God. Now, our introduction says something like this. You know, we like to start by emphasizing that you cannot work out what you do not know. You cannot work out what you do not know or even understand. Christianity is not, an, it's not I'm going to a Pentecostal church. It's part of it. It's important. But that's not what really defines you as a Christian. Because that is what many think is the definition of being born again Christian. If you ask one if he's born again, many will say, I go to so-so-so church. That's what you hear many people say. I'm a member of Pentecostal church. That is not Bible definition of being born again. And then you ask others, they say, oh, I've stopped doing everything I'm doing. I'm now so perfectly good, which is in itself a lie. But that's what many people say. I used to do this, I've stopped this. I used to do this, I've stopped this. But they've forgotten that when we come to Christ, we're born as babies. Babies don't stop everything. Babies grow and mature. So when they bring that as their credential, you, you know immediately they don't know what being born again means. So we, we need to really look into this because if we don't know what salvation is and what being born again means, what are we going to be manifesting? You don't manifest what you have no idea what it is. And I, I, the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of people, even in this church, many people do not understand, yet fully 
some have hazy ideas, some are here, and some are there. You know, because we go up, we go down, we go down, we go up, up, down, down, up. You can't find many Christians when we were coming physical meeting and we do Sunday school. A lot of people who come in here, they ask them, are you born again? Some get angry, they get mad. They think it's an insult to ask them that. But you just enter the church where you just the first time. If they ask you what's your name, you will feel mad. But when they say, are you born again? They, that tells you they are not. Because it's something to be proud of, something to be excited about. If you are a, a son of the president, they ask you, are you the president's son? Oh, yeah, sure, I am. And then that's why they give all this matter of credentials as being born again. Oh, I go to this church. Oh, I go to that church. Everything I'm doing, I stop doing it. Scarcely will you find anybody who will give you Bible evidence. What the Bible says that is being born again. Scarcely will find people who give you that. Because many don't know. And it's what they've been taught. And the Bible says we need to have a deepening knowledge of our salvation. Actually, the Lord told me, say, go back to salvation. I mean, I was preparing to teach them baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's part of the life we live in Christ and teach some more on it. And they say, no, you go back. Go back. I want you to go back and teach it again. We need to have a deepening knowledge. It's, just, it's not a shallow knowledge. You can't, make, you can't make it shallow. No, 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 no. You have to have a grounded, deepening knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and of your salvation, of the gospel. Because it's about you. Before you can fully manifest it. Philemon says, Philemon 1.6 says, I pray for you that the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. Deepen it. Your faith, your faith work should deepen your understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Deepen, not shallow. That's why I'm saying many people who are shallow, they get confused. They, they talk about, we are saved by grace, you go back, they talk about works. You don't even know where they are. Because it's not deep. Let's remind ourselves of Bible evidence so that if you're hearing me, if you've done any of these things, if they tell you, ask you, are you born again? You, you say, this is what the Bible says. That's what I've done. That's why I'm born again. Let's remind ourselves. How you become born again? What is the Bible evidence? So if you ask me, are you born again? I'll give you evidence that the Bible says, if I do this, then I'm born again. I say, I have done it, so I'm born again. 
Acts 16, 30 says, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. How simple does it get? I say, if you ask me, are you born again? I say, yeah, I have given my life to Christ. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved. It's as simple as that. And somebody hearing me knows, yeah, he did the right thing. He did what the Bible said. He's really saved. But to give me all this story, I'm going to this church. It means they don't even know what salvation means. Acts 8.26. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of her treasurer, treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah chapter 53, is why he's reading, was reading. Then his, his, the Spirit said unto Philip, now the Holy Spirit said to, to Philip, go near and join yourself to that, this chariot. And Philip ran, Peter, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except someone, some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was laid as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumped before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his Humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. 34. And the eunuch asked Philip and said, I pray thee of whom? Speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Because that's what you believe, that's who you believe in, you are saved. Preached unto him Jesus. Preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain place, and the eunuch said, said See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I need to be baptized. I've joined your church. Let me get baptized. And Philip said, if thou believest, the key word is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's all. You don't have to do anything else. 
Sometimes we are leading people to the Lord. We, we waste time. We are not sure whether we are praying or, or whatever. We, we, get the, we, we, we go from one corner to the other. Just going from one corner to the other. And that's some, because we are not sure what salvation is. We don't even deeply believe it. Because we're, so we're not sure whether they are now saved, so we go, we, we rattling around and around, wasting their time and our time. Philip didn't do this. They didn't do that. 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Can you imagine in a Christian community where somebody says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know the next thing they do? They start praying on him. Yeah, it's good to pray, but if you pray the right prayer, if you pray the right prayer, if you thank God for this one saved and commit him into the hand of the Lord, that God will teach him and help him to be grounded, help him to be strong in the faith he had just confessed. Sometimes people are pleading with God to save him. I mean, I'm not kidding you. They are pleading with God to save him. You and I have no role in it. Boom. It's between them and Jesus. Our role is preach, the, preach Jesus. If they believe in him, they are saved. They are saved. Salvation has been already finished, being offered. It's being offered. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. There's no more conversation. No more. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. The man said, I believe with all my heart. And that's it. That's it. That's it, people. So if you ask me whether you are saved, I say, sure. Why? I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. And that's it. That's Bible evidence. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I mean, you can, any of these ones you do is good enough. Any of these ones... Confess, believe it's, it's the Son of God, it's good enough. You don't, you don't have to quote all the scriptures so they do this one and do this one because you are not sure. No, 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 no. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, that shall be saved. It's good enough. The Ethiopian eunuch didn't confess these things. He just believed with all his heart that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's it. One more. John 1, 12. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. Even them that believe in his name. Those that believe in his name. That is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Believe in his name. The Lord. The Savior, the Son of God, those that believe in his name, those that receive him. I receive Jesus into my heart. You are my Lord, my Savior. You are saved. You are saved. 
totally saved. Completely saved. Because salvation is not what is going to be done for you. When Jesus died, he died for you. He's done it. Offered you everything. It's there. He just come and take it. So if you believe in him, you're saved. Those of you who have believed in him, you must be confident in this. That's what First John says. Those of you who have believed in him, you, say you must be confident that you are saved and that you continue to believe in him. Now, the number one reason Christians all over, the number one reason that they lose spiritual battles, the number one reason that their flesh is controlling them, anger controls them, wrath controls them, they can't control their mouth. The number one reason Number one, that the flesh is ruling any Christian. Number one reason that a Christian is losing a spiritual battle. Number one reason that a Christian is not living in the reality of his blessings is because he's ignorant of what Christ has done for him. That's number one. Number one. You know the difference between Saul and David was that David knew what God, their position in God. He knew God was there. He knew who they were. And he went to Goliath and announcing, we are the armies of the living God. Our God is here. Today we know God is in armies. If he, if, he, if he didn't know those truths, he would be like Saul, deploying the only thing available, with his knowledge of his reasoning and what the world is talking about, and they will all be crushed. That's exactly what I'm saying. Number one reason, many Christians are like Saul. They don't know they are this. They don't know the power that walketh in them. They don't know nothing. They say, but they, they don't understand it. They don't believe it. And so when the chiefs are down, they run to the world and take the same things that doesn't work. How do you solve spiritual problems with human reasoning? It beats me. The devil doesn't care about your reason. And the Bible calls it ignorance. And say, that's why my people perish. Ignorance. I used to pray a lot that God will change me. <laughs> oh my God, because I saw a lot of carnality, because I didn't know these things. I used to pray and cry. <laughs> I cry almost every Sunday. After they preach, I find myself so bad. And they say to us, Are you sure you'll make heaven? Will I see you in heaven? And then I didn't see myself good enough for heaven. Through all my prayers, God changed me. Change me. Listen, God already changed you. You don't know it. That's why your flesh is ruling you. Because you neglect what God has done. You neglect what Jesus has done for you. God already changed you. Change you. So instead of asking God to change me, why don't you ask God to give me revelation of 
who I am and what he did. I reassured to you, he said, I've changed you. I've done all I can do for you. I've changed you. You are not who you used to be. And if I embrace that, it work for me, and I walk in that reality of it. But if I'm ignorant of that, I'd be another soul fighting the Philistines with my, nat- my natural sword and armor. And David said, no, God does not fight with this thing, this man. God doesn't use distance. It's natural. God is a spirit. doesn't use natural sword. Take it away. He said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. <clears throat> that made a difference. That's number one reason. And bro- 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 is that canality in the body of Christ? Talk to me. Talk to me. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's God said. Because they have rejected knowledge. They won't hear. They don't want to be taught. They don't know it. They don't want to know it. He said, because they rejected knowledge, it will, I will also reject thee that thou shalt not be priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God in the present circumstances, you have forgotten the word of God, I will also forget your children. Ignorance. That's what God says. That's why Christians perish. Ignorance. So as I said, what we should really be focusing and praying about is that God will open our eyes, that God will give us knowledge. The, 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 the antidote to ignorance is knowledge now. So we should be like Paul, seeking that I might know him. I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what we should be praying about. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. Jesus answered them, you are deluded that self-deceiving yourself because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures or the power of God. So that's why you are deluding yourself, deceiving yourself, walking in self-deceit, self-confusion. That's what our Lord said. That the reason Christians are deluded is because they are not filled with the revelation of scriptures or the power of God. Number two reason that Christians are defeated is because those who even know are not grounded. So they are easily uprooted. Easily uprooted from the, from the truth. Very easily uprooted. Because that's what I'm saying. They are not sure. They are not grounded. So they are not sure what is this. Is this me? Am I, am I a new creature? So they look at themselves and they look at the dominant religious doctrine of works. And they condemn themselves and threw away the work of grace. Absolutely true. Number two reason is because those who know are not grounded. Look at what the same thing, Colossians 1.21. He said, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. 22. Yet now, 
he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. You've been reconciled. You are not an enemy of God anymore. That is Bible. As a result of this being reconciled, he has brought you into his own presence. You don't have to cry, yell, shout. He brought you himself into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So why am I praying for God to change me? If God really changed me. <laughs> if God said, hey, you don't even have a fault before me. Why shouldn't I believe that? And when I believe that, that thing that God has done begins to manifest and show in the practical realities of my life. It begins to dominate my thinking, dominate my outward activities and actions. It begins to dominate it. Because what dominates your mind is what you experience. If I have the mindset of purity and holiness and God has made me like this, pretty soon my whole thought of myself will be that. And then that will be the dominant character that I display. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.23, it says, but you must continue to believe this truth. That's the point I'm making. Many Christians are defeated because they don't continue to believe the truth. They don't continue and stand firmly in it. Jesus said, listen, if you, if you continue in my word, if you continue to believe my word, then you will know the truth. But if you don't continue, you won't know it. You know the truth is that you experience it because it goes from the realm of, of uh, knowledge to the realm of reality. You say if you continue in it, then you shall know the truth. What he's talking about is experiential knowledge of the truth. It becomes something you have tasted, can talk about with certainty. I've seen this thing work. So that's what the scripture is saying here. But if you must continue to believe this truth, continue to believe this truth, even when others won't, continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it, you continue in my word, then you come to a point when the reality of it begins to manifest in your life without effort. Because what you have believed is true. All you need is time. The Bible says this word works with patience. All you need is continue to believe that truth. And he said, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you had the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. First Corinthians 15 verse 1 says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. Paul is saying, let me remind you. So I'm reminding us right here again. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it too. It is this good news that saves you. See what I'm saying? When Christians are not grounded in it, they lose battles. 
They, they don't have the right grounds of faith that produces victory. This good news that saves you, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place, unless you continue to believe the gospel, the good news, if you don't, then you are believing something that is not true in the first place. I do not see how you believe something that is not true. How can he give you victory? So, because we are not grounded, we are easily uprooted. And there are all manner of doctrines all over the place. All manner of doctrines, of works, what men we do. Salvation is free by grace. But they won't believe that. So, we therefore go back to teach and remind ourselves, and be, so we are grounded. So we are grounded. That's the point. First Timothy 4 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the word of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So if you remind the brethren of these things, then you are a good minister of Christ, Jesus. The one thing the Lord told me many years ago, he said, I would rather that you go slow than that you go fast and then you lose everybody. He said, I would rather that you repeat things. He said, people don't get it the first time. Just keep repeating. The more you repeat, the more they understand. He said, I would rather that you go slow and repeat facts that the one you are teaching, let it be thoroughly, thoroughly well taught. So I would rather you do that than you, you keep going from jumping from Thursday to teach new, new, new things. He said, no. I would rather you go slow and repeat it. So the more you repeat it, the more people get into it. They don't get it the first time, even second time, even third time, even fourth time. But I want them to get it. So the scripture says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So that's what we are doing. We are putting you in remembrance of these things. First, when you came to Christ, I want to show you seven things you must know. Then I teach on how to live a spirit-filled life 24-7. How to live in the fullness of the anointing 24-7. Because we are invited to come and be filled. We are invited to live in the fullness of the anointing. Every Christian who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ has this open invitation by Jesus. He says, if you desire, come, let me fill you with this, with, with this river. You, you go from stream to river. We'll, go there, we'll get there if we have time to do that. I believe we'll have time to do that. So number one thing that you must know that you got when you came to Christ is that you received a new life. That's what is being called born again. You are created a new person. There is a cutting away of your old sinful nature. And in place of it, God's holy, righteous life is planted in you. This life is the same life that is in Christ. You say, why? Because you received Christ into your life. You didn't receive a dead Jesus. You received a living Jesus. So when he came into you, he came with his life. So what you received is his life. And his life becomes your new life. Second Corinthians 5, 16. 
So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, and that's what we must do. Stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human, from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who has come to Christ, has become a new person. So why am I asking God to change me if I understand the gospel? Why am I crying and say, Lord, you need to change me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> why? Because the Bible says you become a new person. The reason you are praying that kind of prayer is that you are ignorant that you have been changed. You are ignorant of it. That's what I'm saying. Say so ignorance will, will cheat you out of the benefit of this. Thing. A person who believes in this will never go to God and say, change me. Never. Because you go to God and thank God that I'm a new person, you've changed me. Oh, I'm a new creature. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. John is gone. <laughs> totally gone. He said, well, why am I not living the new life? That's what I said. You are ignorant of this truth. That's why your flesh is defeating you. You can't have victory in ignorance. Anything you don't, you, anything you don't know about, you can't excel in it. If you don't know how to drive, you can't drive well. If you don't know how to fly an aircraft, you can't, you can't do that. Anything you are ignorant in, you cannot excel in it. Including Christian life. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. A new life has begun. 18. And all of this is a gift from God. All of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ Jesus. And he said, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. Now, this new nature controls you. If you know it, if you believe it, it takes ascendancy over every other thing. So in the same Second Corinthians chapter 5.14, it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. The new life is, is love because God is love. It controls us. But because we're ignorant of it, we don't want to believe it. Our flesh controls us. Anger controls us. Vengeance controls us. And we reason it out in human reasoning, why I'm just. <laughs> That's what the world does. They all say, oh, man. They reason it out, this is why I'm just. But Jesus said, if you want to be wise, become a fool. Don't employ those things in the world. Don't be another son. Bringing Saul's sword to a spiritual battle. Not only will you lose, but you regret it. The world has nothing good for you. Their God is the devil. Let me even read, read uh, that uh, uh, Second Corinthians 5.14. That either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe. See, 
since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we who died for our, to our old, that we believe that all died for our, sorry, and also believe that we have all died to our old life. See, I believe that Christ died for me, so I'm, de- I'm dead to the old life. See, this is what I believe. That's why now the new life controls him. That's what, because his faith activates the new life. His faith activates it. Number two, when you came to Christ, you received forgiveness of sin. You receive forgiveness of sin. Again, hard for Christians to believe. Because you see, in the natural world, we, we reason that deterrence, vengeance will produce deterrence. Punishment will produce deterrence. And so, if you talk of forgiveness of sin, they think it's foolish. Because they're saying, now, it's going to give people license. But even in America, I heard that the prison system started because they realized that vengeance and punishment does not produce deterrence. So they started the prison system where they were bringing people and begin to teach them. It was Christians that started the prison system. That's what I heard. But even then, God told us that vengeance does not produce deterrence. Because in the Old Testament, there was a lot of vengeance. Israel will do this. God will punish them and they will go into captivity. Right in that captivity, they are worshiping idols. And God will send them prophets. They will kill them. That's why Jesus said to them, you are the ones that killed the prophets sent to you. They will kill them. And God told us, it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It's not vengeance. It's the goodness of God. Why? Because God is so good, he'll forgive your sins and change you. What's your problem is inside of you. If it's not good enough, he will, will, will let you die in that thing. But God so loved the world, he gave his son Jesus Christ to, to die for our sins so he can forgive us and change, take away what's making us do all these things and give us his own life. It is the goodness of God that brings us sense. We receive Sound mind, spirit of power, spirit of love. We receive it. It was given to us from God. If, if not the goodness of God, we won't have them. And we'll all perish in our sins. So when you come to Christ, you receive forgiveness of sins. You receive forgiveness of sins. Acts 13, 38. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Can I hear amen? I need a big amen. He said, we came to proclaim to you. That's what they were preaching. The church does not preach this anymore. What you hear them preach is your sin, your iniquities, and then wishing that God will punish you so it will change. They won't put it like that, but in their rigmaroling around, it's like, how can you after doing these things? How can he be free? So they are rigmaroling around. So I will give you denominational rules to do, and they don't believe you are saved unless you do these ones. But here is the Holy Spirit saying, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim 
that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Jesus said this blood is shed for forgiveness of sin. And then when it was shed, forgiveness was available. The people said no. Punish them. Oh my God. If you punish it, then what about you? Through this man, Jesus, we are telling you he shed his blood. <laughs> Your sins are forgiven. Thirty-nine. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God. He's saved. Something the Lord of Moses could never do. Forty. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, and they began to quote what the prophet said. You, if you reject these things, you'll be in trouble. There's nothing that will take away your sin. Nothing. Absolutely nothing except that blood. And as a result of forgiveness of sins now, you are reconciled to God. I mean, if my sins are forgiven, I'm reconciled to God. And I can come to God boldly. Because he already told me I've changed you. You are, you are clean in my eye. You can come. Your sins are forgiven. The blood washes you away. Come on, come. Reconcile to him. So we are reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.21 that time should have another 10 minutes. Colossians 1.21. This includes you, we were reading it, we read it before, did we? Yes. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. You were enemies. Where? You were. You were. You were, before you came to Christ, you were, 22, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Through his death, he reconciled us. He said, as a result, he has brought you to his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You've been reconciled to God, totally. You are be made righteous. In the eyes of God, you are as righteous as Jesus. Remember I said, I look at you, you have no sin. You are spotless. You know, I said it before. You cannot take anything that has sin, and I want you to listen to me. You can't take anything that has sin and join to the spirit of Christ. It would destroy that thing. Sin and God do not coexist. If our spirit was sinful, it can't be joined to the spirit of Christ. It will kill us. It will destroy our spirit. It will consume it. It's natural with God. It will consume it. I said, that's what Jesus was preaching. <laughs> they were asking him about fasting. He said, listen, you can't bring. We are talking about John the Baptist and fasting. It's old stuff. He said, what I brought is new thing. I brought grace. I brought life. I brought, I brought something new. He said, you can't, what I brought is the spirit, the spirit of God, my spirit, that will be in you. And you can't take that new spirit, that new wine, and pour it in your old life, in your old nature. It will burst, it will destroy you. It will kill you. 
That's what he was telling them. You can't take this new cloth that I'm bringing, my righteousness, and tie it to your new old unrighteousness. It will kill you. It will destroy it. It will rend it to pieces. So God made us righteous. And he said, how? 1 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Accept this forgiveness. Accept this reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God made him Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's it. Again, you need to be grounded in this and to understand it and to believe it. And you know, the same way he made, he made Christ to be seen for us, the same way he made Jesus to be sick for us. Being seen for us and being sick for us, tied together. The same way he made him to be seen for us, so we become righteous. It's the same way he made Jesus to be sick for us, so we become healthy. The same way. This, by that single stroke. Not two. That single stroke. Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely our sicknesses he had borne. He bore my sins. We believe that. The Bible says he bore, bore um, our sicknesses he had borne, and our pains he carried them. And we, were, and we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The testament, testament of our peace is on him, and by his bruise, those bruised for our iniquity, those bruised for our iniquity, he was bruised for our iniquity. The same bruise for our iniquity is the same bruise that brought us healing. It's not another. Let me read it again, verse 5. He is pierced for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. Bruised for our iniquity. Bear in mind that, that place. The testament of our peace is on him, and by his bruise, there is healing to us. The same bruise for our iniquity is the same bruise that brought us healing. The same. You, you have to believe all of it. Verse 10, Isaiah 53, 10 says, And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. It was God's plan to bruise him. Why? It was bruised for our sins and bruised to make us well. So it was God's plan to do this so that we'd be righteous before him, accepted by him, and live a healthy life. Verse 10, Isaiah 53, 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He had made him sick. Why? So that I'll be well, you'll be well. I heard of a pastor somewhere back who, was, who had a heart problem. And they couldn't, they couldn't handle it here. I think he went to Europe or something. And then, you know, they, they, they couldn't handle it. So he sat in church and had this, had this teaching. He sat in his chair and said, well, if he took my sin, and he took my sickness, then I'm well. I was told that from that point, 
that heart was healed. He was able to walk. They say he would walk 20 hours just trying to see, to enjoy it. <laughs> because before, he couldn't, he would sleep, he would sleep, he would lie flat for hours. And would only be able to come to church weekends and go back most times to lie flat. They say he walked so hard because he, he was enjoying the freedom of walking again. He would do I mean, I mean, I'm like, wow. Just sitting and saying, yeah, he took my sin. Yeah. By the bruise, by that bruise, he was bruised for my sin. Then he was bruised for my sickness. So if I accept that he bore my sin, then I have to accept he bore my sickness. Quit me, see, if he bore it, he made me righteous. Quit me, see, he made me healthy. So my heart, my heart is healed. That's all. That was all. Number five, you are now a child of God and a member of his household. You don't tiptoe to God. You have boldness to come. You are his child. You don't have to call on somebody's God. You are your God and your father. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led of the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit is a bearing witness within our spirit that we are children of God. 17. And if children, then we're heirs of God, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. We inherit <coughs> all the blessings of heaven. Everything that belongs to God, it belongs to God. That's what Jesus said. For all yours are mine, and all mine are yours. We can say that too. Because we're heirs of God. And we're equal heirs, to be joint heirs is we're equal heirs with Christ. That what belongs to him belongs to us. And what belongs to us belongs to him. Ephesians 2.19, now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Mark that one. We are built upon the, upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The Holy Spirit knows what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is that the foundation of our faith is the writing of the prophets and the apostles. Their ministry. The word of God. Christ, the living word. The word of God. We are built upon it. Have you forgotten the scripture says, desire the sincere milk of the word of God, you grow by it. And the Bible says we are built up through the word of his grace. We are built. That's what he's saying here. And that again teaches us something very, very important. You are not built upon the foundation of somebody's dream, somebody's vision. No. The word of God is it. The writings of the prophets and the apostles. Jesus said, all their writing is pointing to me. We are built upon their ministry. Upon the revealed truth. Who is Christ? So nobody can come and say, you know what? I had this dream and I had this vision and that becomes what to teach you. Stop. 
that's not what the scripture says. No. Look at first Timothy, look at second Timothy 3:16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Case closed. If it's not scripture, forget it. We are taught out of scripture, not out of your vision or whatever. We don't even know who gave you the vision, anyway. Let me show you our Lord Jesus himself. In fact, Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses. You see what I'm saying? We are built on this foundation, the, what they wrote, the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning from our Jerusalem. He said, Repentance, sure, because he came to his own, they rejected him. Acts 28, 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Out of the law of Moses and the prophets, because that's the foundation. That's the truth. That's the infallible truth. Christ. Out of the law, out of the writings of the apostles, out, I say, that's what you build your, your teaching upon. The written Bible. Paul did that. Number six. We are delivered from the kingdom of darkness and now in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is where we were before. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Before, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. That's the spirit at work in their heart. Three, all of us used to be used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So we were, we were subject to control of this demonic spirit. When we came to Christ, look at what happened. Acts twenty-six seventeen. Delivering them from the people, delivering, delivering you thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee. What did he send Paul to do? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from power, from power of Satan unto God, 
So when you come and receive Christ, you are turned from power of Satan unto God. You are set free from that spirit that walketh in children of disobedience. You are delivered from it. So you turn you from darkness because that spirit is, is the power of darkness and turns you away from that demonic spirit and brings you to kingdom of God where Christ becomes your Lord and Christ lives in you now. He says, he says, and from power of Satan unto God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He says, once you believe in Christ, you are sanctified. <laughs> you are what? Sanctified. You know, I was told when I got saved that I was not sanctified. And that I, was, I didn't qualify for the Holy Spirit. But blessed be the name of the Lord. God began to teach me himself. And right in my bedroom, I received baptism of the Holy Spirit. In spite of what they were teaching. Right in my bedroom. I said, wow, this is a gift. Why am I waiting for a gift? Whoever waits for a gift. I said, I'm not waiting for a gift. I said, the Holy Spirit has come. I said, Lord, I expect to be baptized right now because I qualify. I'm born again. I have the Spirit of Christ. It's, 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 our, it's my right. It's my privilege. I said, I expect to receive it. And before I could say that, I was speaking in tongues. But I was told that I was not sanctified. And because I, that I should wait until I get sanctified. Number one is, I didn't even know the standard to, to know when I'm now sanctified. Because nobody gave me the measuring standard to know that I'm now sanctified. But the scripture says that we are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. That when we come to Christ, we are cleaned and made clean by the blood of Jesus. We are sanctified. Can I hear amen? If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Sure. Sure. I was taught this. I was told this. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, 13, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom now we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Everywhere you see this forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of sins, everywhere. Number seven, we are blessed with all blessings in heaven. Because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the cost of the law, being made a cost for us. For it is written, cost is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So when you come to Christ, you came to blessings. Nothing like cost. We are blessed going up, blessed coming and the Holy Spirit is here to reveal all these things that we've been teaching and talking about to us. So we'll be grounded in them. So we'll be grounded in them. So we'll be really grounded in them. Because like I said, if you're not grounded in them, the devil will pull it off you. And you'll be confused. You'll be totally, you'll be defeated. I'm not kidding. You are not going to mature. You're not going to. Babies don't live their, the fullness of natural life. Never. It's adult. So the Holy Spirit is here to teach us all these things. 
In the Colossians 2, 7, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your life be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let me, let me teach on this uh, living in the fullness of Christ daily, living a consistent spirit-filled life. That's what the Bible says we should do. Ephesians 5, 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein it says, but be filled with the this, with this Spirit. Look at Luke 4:32. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For his word was with power. We are supposed to be like Christ. Our word should be with power. I said it before. I said, words can give you information. When one is anointed, it gives you life. It gives power. It comes with power. It has effect. We talk, cha 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 that has no power in it. Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Man, there's authority in his word. Why? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointed for doing good works too. Acts 10, 38. For God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good? Not doing evil. Not causing trouble. Not fighting. Doing good. Doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, number, let me tell you two things you need to do to walk in fullness of the Spirit every day. Number one, you must walk by faith in the gospel that you have received. You have to. You have to grow in that knowledge and mature in it. Like I said, Babies can never walk in the fullness of natural life. Babies cannot achieve their potential until they grow and mature. Spiritual babies will never manifest the fullness of Christ. It's not going to happen. Look at uh, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. Constantly. Constantly. Not some, No. Training yourself to believe these things constantly. Using your faith, the life of Christ will be re- released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. By constantly walking in faith in these things, then the life of Christ that is in you will come, it's like a river, start flowing. It'll be released inside of you. And then he said, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. His love become the source of your life. Like Paul said, the love of Christ controls us now. He has become the source of what we do, become the source of our life. He said, what? Because we believe that we are born again. We believe it. He said, then you will be empowered. Which means you will grow. And, you see, empowerment comes with maturity. You can't bring a baby and say, we well, have empowered this baby to be your senior pastor. It won't happen. Empowerment comes when you are matured. When you are matured. You know? So what he's talking about is then you will be empowered. Then you will grow to maturity to discover 
what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimension. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you, you are filled to overflowing with thanksgiving. Keeps pouring. You are discovering it. You're embracing it. You're discovering it. You're embracing it. Wow, the love of God did this. The, somebody said, what manner of love is this that we shall be called sons of God? He discovered it. But many people say, well, sons of God it doesn't mean anything to them. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely not. Somebody said, wow, I discovered the depth of divine love that I should be called son of God. You should discover it. The more you discover it, the more you embrace it. Discover his love in healing you, forgiving your sins, being merciful to you. You discover his love. He said, you are filled with that, that knowledge, and that love begins to come out of you. But if you don't know it, it won't happen. Finally, I mean, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me read this one and we'll close. Jude 1.20. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Very important. Fasten your hearts to the love of God. Focus on the love of God. Focus on the grace of God in Christ. Fasten your, your heart to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every work of grace, receive it. Who gives us eternal life? Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts and snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them. But always couple your mercy with fear of God. Be extremely careful to keep yourself free from the pollution of the flesh. Before we go, I want to tell us something. Run away from the flesh. It destroys. The devil is dangerous. The flesh is more dangerous. The flesh will ruin your life anytime. The Bible tells us if you follow the flesh, you shall surely die. The flesh makes you leak anointing. It pierces you. It makes you leak like all over the place. It, not, it makes you leak. You see, all this anger thing, all this, this to do, and we, it makes us, you know, it satisfies our ego and the, no humility. Nothing. It satisfies our ego. It's not the nature of Christ. It pierces you spiritually, pierces you. You are lying. If you are lying, you are piercing the thing, piercing and licking the anointing. He said, Do you have scripture for it? Of course. There's scripture for it. 1 Timothy 16. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves. Is it the flesh that pierced? They are piercing their spirit. They are piercing themselves. It pierces you. And that's why people are weak. 
I told you, that's why we lose battle. They can't stand the flesh. Or anything the flesh says, they yield to it, and the flesh is guiding them. They think they are justified without knowing that they are blind. They are walking in spiritual blindness, and they are vulnerable to Satan. He will plant resentment in you, plant bitter, and you are pooping up like poo that water is pouring on. The way to glory is not flesh. The way to glory is the walking in the spirit. He said, we lead you to life. We lead you to life. So the next time you are tempted to tell a lie, remember you are piercing yourself. You are leaking. You are going to be leaking power. Prayer is weak. You study the Bible weak. You don't have revelation. You don't understand what they have been teaching. If you come to church, you are, you are looking for where to rest. Your mind is not there. Because you are spiritually weak, very weak. You have never preached the gospel to anybody because you don't have the, 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 boiling, the, the, the boiling activity of the Holy Spirit. It's not there. You are not fervent in spirit. You don't have the excitement to preach Christ. You don't. You can't. You are weak. You're not bubbling. It's not flowing. You're in church looking at time. Somebody's in church, can't have enough. You are looking at time. The difference is you are, you are almost dry and empty of the spirit. The other person is full. The, thing is bu- the spirit is bubbling. The word is coming. He's, accept- he's excited. Man, he's connected to it. He's connected to it. His eyes is opening. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I can't have enough of this. Say, Pastor, are you already done? Are you in the same church with him? Is it not somebody that sat in church and heard about Isaiah and said, well, if he took my sin, then he took my sickness, got healed. Others had the same thing and left with their sickness. They were sitting in the same church. In the same church. God is no respecter of persons. Everybody has a quote this thing. You, the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the fullness of the anointed. It's an invitation. Whoever wants, let him do what? Come and drink. Praise the Lord. It's all one, it's a, it's a way we live the fullness of Christ. But you can't be licking, licking, keep everywhere, licking. Anything your flesh will do, you are piercing yourself with many sorrows. Sorrows. You will lose battles. You will lose this one. You will lose the other one. You walk in foolishness. Wisdom of the world. Lose this one. Lose this one. Lose everything. But Christ in us, Gives you the privilege of walking in glory. In glory. But because of ignorance, you don't know, you don't know the privilege of that glory. Jesus said you err, not knowing the word of God and not knowing the power of God. So that's why you delude yourselves. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for the word you gave us tonight. Challenging us to be rooted and grounded in this truth. We can't be shallow. It's, it's risky. We can't be shallow. Because the devil is interested in pulling it off. And we can be, we bear no fruit. We just become religious, religious Pentecostal church girl. Producing no fruit. Not producing much. We don't pray the gospel. We don't, our prayer is not effective. Nothing. We speak in tongues, it's not effective. We walk by human reasoning, which is spiritual blindness, and we are happy about it because we are ignorant. 
I pray, Lord, that today this world will have entrance into every year and change our priorities so we focus on the love, the grace of God, the work of the cross where God gave us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we can't get it any other way. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.